Greetings, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the 963 Universal Frequency. I'm your host, Esther Clare, spreading awareness with an open heart, an open mind, living life and being free. Well, as free as the government allows me to be. On a side note, fantastic news for all those Melbourne spirits. Their lockdown is over. Finally, kudos to you all. And I trust there's going to be a lot of hangovers over the next few weeks or months. Maybe some regrets or perhaps waking up in strangers' beds. Whatever the case, congratulations to you all. You deserve to let loose after all the brutality you have been through. Now, if only Western Australia opens up their borders. Australia, in general, to allow us all to escape, travel to other countries, see family and friends, to explore the world without the discrimination of the trial-run COVID-19 injection. Businesses are now given the responsibility, the decision to implement the jab in the workplace. Our fate is in their hands. Or will it be yours, WA? Perhaps get familiar with federal law, the Biosecurity Act, the Privacy Act 1988, or understand the COVID-19 injection, not just from the far left perspective, but the far right. Okay, back on track. On this episode, I will be talking with Dr. Hanya Ferdas to discuss the gateway to nourishing our body, the organ or feature, if you will, that can embody our physical health. Two of the most common diseases in the world resonate in this area, tooth decay and gum disease. So please stay tuned and enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. I have the studious, quick-witted, and always fashionably attired, Dr. Hanya Ferdas. Hi, Hanya. Welcome to the show. Hi, Esther. How are you? Thanks I'm for the welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I really like introducing people to the show. I feel like it's, I don't know what it is. I like to... Uh... Well, it's your take on me. <laughs> That's the part that I, I love. I'm like, oh. Did you like the quick-witted? Well, that was a given, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so thanks for doing the show today. I'm extremely grateful that you're here today. Thanks. We're going to do some fun facts and also some debunking of myths and exposing the truth. But before we get into all of that, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Well, I guess to start with, I'm a dentist and I started doing dentistry in 2000. Uh, At the time, it was a five-year degree. And ever since then, I've worked as a dentist. I originally went to Karatha for a few years before coming back to Perth and have been in private practice since. Um, But apart from teeth that I love, I also really enjoy my sport. Currently, I mostly swim and do triathlons, um, also a bit of Pilates to keep, you know, the old extraction shoulder <laughs> working and comfortably, as comfortably as possible and, you know, neck problems that dentistry will give. Um, and I do Ukrainian Cossack dancing because um, I, my background is Ukrainian. And yeah, I also have a husband and a stepdaughter, Sophie, who she's nine. Uh, wonderful little girl yeah doesn't love the dentist but that's okay work in progress right <laughs> right and we've known each other for a while yeah yeah so long very long time and it's it's been great having you in my life <laughs> Anya. Um, 
these teeth don't look this good for nothing. <laughs> oh, that looked pretty good when I first met you, but they are, you do have lovely teeth. I've Thank told you. you before. You have, that's true. <laughs> so can you please tell us what is a dentist? There are people out there that actually have never been to a dentist. I yeah, think. I, we definitely do occasionally get older patients who have never been to the dentist. I worked in Karatha and I had a patient who was 57 and I was his first dentist. His teeth were quite good, to be honest. But uh, dentists, we take care of people's mouths. So not just teeth, also kind of their mouth in general, the health of their mouth, there's education involved. We diagnose problems. We then can take the radiographs to take the imaging and, and use that in the diagnosis and then we can then treat it. So, you know, we then can create fake teeth, you know, whether it be crowns or making dentures or even a filling, you know, we're then working in a very small area, fixing teeth, fixing problems, but then also teaching people why they have these problems, how we can help prevent them, where we can hope to be in the future. And then also looking after their kids' teeth and making sure they're set up from, you know, a good start from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and because it is, is it quite a broad field? Does it lead to other... It can, it can be pretty broad. There are 13 different specialties recognised in Australia. Um, 13? I know. I, I was also not a bit surprised at how many there were. Um, as a general dentist, you can technically practise any of the fields of dentistry as long as you feel competent in them um, and that you can provide a high level of care. Uh, each dentist probably will have areas that they prefer, that they enjoy doing more than others so you might find that you tend to refer more of the things that aren't really your cup of tea to either other dentists or other specialists um, but certain specialists are the 13 uh, a dental maxillofacial radiologist so they will they can take better uh, maybe sometimes higher level imaging read things to a greater depth than maybe a general dentist can sometimes um, an endodontist who specializes in root canal treatment, um, an oral and maxillofacial surgeon, which is not just a dentist, also a doctor. Mm -hmm. And they then also train in difficult cases so they can do rebuilding of fa facial structure as well as difficult wisdom teeth extractions. Uh, you've got a forensic odontologist who can help, uh, you know, identify people from remains if, you know, something has happened um, using previous records and that sort of thing uh oral surgeon oral medicine specialists oral pathologists um orthodontists who work with braces pediatric dentists who work a lot with children periodontists who specialize in gums prosthodontists who work in kind of uh the restoration and replacement of teeth using crowns and bridges and implants public health dentist, and then the last one is specialist in special needs de dentistry. Wow. Yeah, so quite a lot. So yes. a general dentist can do all of those fields as long as they feel competent in that. Uh, so you don't, you don't need to get a further qualification? Not to do, you can you can definitely study more. There are certain hours that we are required to do um, to keep up with, uh, keep up with and be part of ARPRO. You need to do a certain number of hours but um, you can practice in the fields that you feel competent in. So you might dabble in little bits of all of those to a point. What's your favourite area? What do you enjoy doing? Uh, I enjoy quite a lot of 
I love seeing children and treating children. I love doing a bit more of aesthetic dentistry, which isn't necessarily a specialist field, but making front teeth beautiful, giving people smiles and confidence back, which I enjoy. Um, I like a good root canal, like doing crowns, you know, I'll, you know, even just a filling can be interesting. And really, I guess the, I enjoy meeting the people and then, you know, trying to work within their, what their needs and are and if they're nervous how we can make them feel more comfortable and yeah that's I really enjoy that part aspect of dentistry Mm, I think it would be a very interesting job to do I I don't personally I could not see myself doing it it all seems so awkwardly laborious (laughs) (laughs) look it's not for everyone that's for sure but where would we be without dentists that's that's um so they're very very important I actually think dentists are more important than GPs Oh, look, we've all, we've all got our place. I guess at the end of the day, like one thing that is important to note with teeth is that there often are problems that you can't feel to start with. Yeah. And those problems usually will only get worse. Teeth decay does not repair itself. You know, oral lesions won't always heal themselves. You know, that things often can get worse. Whereas, you know, technically you go to, you might go to a GP with a cold, which you will get better from, but teeth often need some help mm-hmm. yeah and that is going to bring us to fun facts and these are these are things that I find a lot of people just talk about in general I think I know some of the answers to these but I just thought get your opinion if you agree or disagree and you can elaborate on any of these if you like uh, the first one is tooth enamel is the hardest part of the entire body, even harder than bone. Correct. Correct. Yep. So how hard is it to snap a tooth? Someone, has anyone ever come in and snapped a tooth? Oh, definitely. It happens. Um, the enamel is the, covers the crown part of the tooth, which is typically the part of tooth you'll see in the mouth. I guess, well, you have it'll be usually when someone has maybe face planted onto some concrete or a cricket ball has hit or a hockey ball has hit their face without a mouth guard yes or I guess you could be eating something you might have a little rock or pebble and a piece of tooth can crack um yeah so and it's not and also the muscles that control our chewing the muscles of mastication are very very strong and so they do put a lot of force through teeth and so you know our teeth do go through quite a lot you imagine how many times you chew in your lifetime Mm. it's a lot of force a modern toothpaste has only been available for around the past hundred years before toothpaste was invented humans use mixtures such as hooves powder ox hooves powder that is burned eggshells crushed oyster shells, ground chalk, charcoal, pulverised brick, lemon juice and salt. Mm. Are some of those correct or are they moonshine? I've not heard of all of them, but it doesn't mean it's not possible. I mean, people are still sometimes using charcoal to brush their teeth now because it became popular for a little while. That the ox hooves powder. I mean, who would have thought that if that's really true? Who's, who's sitting there going, <laughs> let's use um, an ox's hooves? What eccentric ideas. Well, Grind I, it up and put it in our mouths. I guess, well, I mean, maybe that was more common to use their powder, the ox hoof powder for something else anyway for cleaning. But I guess maybe realising that we didn't know that 
tooth decay was caused by bacteria until more recent times. And, you know, back in the day, they didn't know why some people had rotten teeth, what was causing it. They used to originally believe there were little worms in our teeth causing it Mm. before realizing they didn't know, understand about bacteria. They didn't realize it was related to sugar intake and that sugar converting into acid. And that's where the holes are kind of created by. And so, you know, that's probably why some of these maybe more eccentric things have been used. (laughs) Uh, I don't know how I feel about the pulverized brick. Mm. That's odd. The next one, teeth are the only part of the human body that can't repair itself. They are coated in enamel, which you had mentioned, which is not a living tissue. Correct. So people often uh, think that teeth are similar to bones where there's that continual change in intake and out, output of calcium and forever changing. Uh, teeth are not the same. Once you have lost that uh, calcium structure, it does not rebuild. Um, you can use things that can help redensify the tooth structure, but uh, they typically don't rebuild. You can't heal a, a tooth decay unless it's very superficial. If it's very superficial, yes, in the enamel, using things like fluoride, using um, other products that have calcium and phosphate in them can help heal that very superficial layer, but they can't penetrate into the dentine, which is the next layer of tooth. And that's when a filling is required to help restore the tooth and prevent it from getting more extensive and getting into the nerve. And the next one, the longest human tooth officially documented in Singapore was extracted in 2009 and it measured 3.2 centimetres long. Is that long for a tooth? It's long. It's definitely not a record. Yeah, Uh, I kind of thought the Homo sapiens, the Neanderthals, I presumed that their teeth would be a lot longer. But do they count as humans? Maybe they're not counting them in this oh, in that sort of measurement. Yeah. Um, well, in maybe my first or second year of dentistry, I was working in Karatha and I sent the head of dental school an email. He was a root canal specialist because I had a particular problem with a patient's tooth. Um, I was doing a root canal on, a, on an upper canine and the files that we have as standard in human dentistry to do the root canal treatment were actually too short to reach the end of his tooth. And these files are 31 millimeters long. So my patient's tooth from memory was 39 millimeters long. And so um, luckily the uh, head of dental school gave me a few tips on how to modify the files that we use so that I could continue with the root canal and finish it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did ask him at the time if that was a record and he said no. Oh, wow. So I think, yeah, it was either 37 or 39 millimetres, but definitely I think from my memory, I think that was maybe up to 45 uh, millimetres. Okay. Jeez. Yeah, I still think 3.2 centimetres, that's not that long. No, typical-ish is around just over two centimetres. Okay. That's kind of typical. Now, this one I actually knew about when I was a little kid because I remember my brother said this to me when we were looking at snails when we were very, very young. Mm. And he said, a snail's mouth is as small as the head of a pin and can contain up to 25,000 teeth. Did you happen to know? Well, I only recently found out about this. I I bought a book for the clinic and I have it in my room. Like it's a children's book. It's got flaps in it, but it's about teeth. And yeah, that's what it claims. It says that snails have 
the most amount of teeth and it, it had a lot of teeth. Um, obviously, they're going to be different to the teeth that we know and love. But uh, yeah, they've got the most number of teeth. Uh, the world's second most common disease after the common cold is tooth decay. Uh, I've got no idea about that, but there is a lot of tooth decay. Um, I think it's one of the leading causes of children needing emergency treatment at the hospital because teeth, baby teeth get infected and lead to facial swellings and can be, you know, make a child quite unwell. So I think it's uh, a very high disease rate for sure. Unfortunately, H higher than coronavirus. <laughs> oh, it depends on your beliefs, I guess. Oh, it depends. I mean, obviously in WA at the moment, <laughs> it's definitely much higher than coronavirus. <laughs> and that's really quite sad. I didn't realize that that's yeah. taken to hospital just because of tooth decay. I didn't yeah, think that that was so serious. Unfortunately, it's it's very common. Um, yeah, it's it's quite a shame. You know, people don't understand, maybe don't always understand what's going on with kids and their teeth and sometimes some people don't place as heavy an importance on baby teeth they're like oh well they're just going to fall out it doesn't really matter but you know when you see a child whose face is all swollen up and they are very unwell because of the tooth infection that's when a tooth's not being treated you know it's quite sad so mm. yeah okay and everyone's tongue print is completely different much like fingerprints mm, i've got no clue i've never heard that i've never some people do have interesting looking tongues but I feel like that probably wouldn't be true maybe okay. not recordable I'm not sure if a scientist gets a hold of your teeth they can learn some seriously personal facts about you your age good or poor diet where on the planet you might have lived signs about your general well-being as well as how beautiful your smile would have been <laughs> well, I well I mean I guess that is part of the um, forensic odontology, um, especially, you know, if you come across a skull and you may not have the records or have an idea who that person is to start with, trying to have a bit of a look at the teeth and get an idea about um, what where that might have come from might give you a bit of an idea where to look. Um, definitely, you you know, you I think that teeth could give away quite a bit, Not and not just the tooth, you know, even the supporting bone structure could indicate whether or not you've got gum disease. Um, and periodontal disease is more prevalent in certain um, nationalities. Um, there are particular teeth traits that are more common in certain nationalities as well, which might help give you an indication as to who a person is. Okay. So, yeah, definitely. Because I could definitely see how your diet, would play a part but I'm thinking how beautiful your smile would have been could they could they really do that or do you think that's well that's I guess you know they can see if your teeth are straight in a skull you know that okay. might indicate but you know what if you your mouth doesn't work and you don't smile and so, <laughs> you know, some, some people just you know are not natural natural smilers despite having straight teeth so um you know I don't know if you can tell muscle structure mm. okay and now we have some myths. So we're going to be debunking or truth exposed. The harder you brush, the cleaner your teeth will be. Mm, maybe technically true, but not necessarily the best way about it. Um, when you're brushing teeth, it's you're not just brushing the teeth. You're also ideally brushing the join of tooth to gum. And so if you're brushing too hard, the gum is a soft tissue. If you scrub too hard, eventually it gets traumatized as any soft tissue would. And as it scars, it shrinks away 
up, up from the tooth and leaving the root surface, it can leave the root surface exposed. So you can actually cause damage to the underlying tooth structure by brushing too hard. So soft toothbrushes are better. That's what I recommend. And that's what I use myself um, to prevent damage to the soft tissue and then, then the tooth. And that's something I had asked you in the past. And I now use a soft mm -hmm. brush and I have noticed a difference. Mm. Like I actually feel as if it is cleaning my teeth better than mm. what it would have a hard or medium brush. It, it can take a bit of time to get used to a softer toothbrush and there are definitely better soft toothbrushes. I also converted from a hard, which felt nice at the time, to a soft in the first few soft toothbrushes I tried. I wasn't quite a fan of, whereas the one I use now is is lovely. Like I, I've got... A, a, yeah, I think it does a really good job with cleaning. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say with this one, but an electric toothbrush is better? It can be. Oh, phew, I thought you were going to say no. No. <laughs> I mean, I personally don't use one. I think a lot of my dentist friends, I don't think use one, but I guess A, we've got hopefully quite good fine motor skill, but also the knowledge is to exactly where we're trying to aim to clean. Um, but I can't fault them, you know, Patients will always do well with them. You know, people who need extra help, especially if they've got any motor difficulties, will get uh, do a much better job with electric. Um, I don't think I ever tell ask someone to not use an electric because I feel like they do do a good job. But I still personally like a manual. But I think electric definitely has its place. I feel like electric does a good job. I know, I know you, you can do just as good a job with a handheld, but I just, there's something about, I can't go back. You probably have to put a bit more effort in with a manual, whereas electric, you know, more of it is out of, out of your hands. You know, you, you just have to put it on the tooth. As long as you place it on tooth by tooth, you you should do a pretty good job. And I, I think that that's fine. You know, whatever's going to, whatever's going to give you a better result is the best brush for you really. Okay. okay. If you brush every day, twice a day, you don't need to floss. You only need to floss the teeth you want to keep. Okay. <laughs> or you could always just have every second tooth removed and then you don't need to floss. But yes, unfortunately, <laughs> flossing is very uh, necessary. Okay. Um, if I was stuck on a desert island, I would choose floss over toothbrush if I could have one choice. Okay. Uh, you know, kind of eating certain things can be self-cleansing you know chewing a carrot is going to kind of clean the surfaces whereas if you floss and you haven't flossed for a little while and you smell that floss it doesn't usually smell very nice because like ass <laughs> that bacteria has <laughs> been sitting there for a long time and it, it starts to get funky I don't really want that between my teeth and mm. floss is the only thing that can really kind of clean between your teeth and under the gum in that yeah. same area so love the floss mm -hmm. can you tell if someone hasn't been flossing yes like I'll just floss their teeth and they'll be on the floss when I'm flossing them during a checkup, there'll be lots of plaque on the floss. So, and usually apart from that, there will usually be some inflammation on x-rays. I might find that there is decay in between the teeth, which is another indication that they're not flossing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. I mentioned this one a little bit before as well, but you can only get cavities from lollies and sweet treats. Uh, anything that has carbs technically so you know even milk um, both cow's milk and even like for children breast milk kids can get decay from that because it still has sugars in it wow yeah it can happen so yeah anything that's got carbs in it really can technically feed the bacteria that then produce acid and eat into our teeth 
Okay. If you brush your teeth really well before going to the dentist, they won't be able to tell that you haven't been regularly brushing. Uh, it depends how long you use that technique for. Maybe if you <laughs> did it quite well for a week or so. Um, usually if you brush well on the morning of the appointment, uh, your gums will be quite inflamed because they've the bacteria that has been sitting on them causes inflammation and that doesn't have enough time to heal from one good brush. Um, other things that might be a giveaway for a dentist is if you have calcified bacteria around, which is the calculus, which is what we use our instruments for, that can't be cleaned off by a toothbrush, but it might give us an indication of how long has the neglect kind of been going on for as to how much cal calculus is built up around the teeth. Okay you must remove your wisdom teeth. Uh, no, I think that, you know, some people can fit them quite well into their mouths. Um, other people just don't, might fit them in their mouth, but just don't clean them very well because they can be a little hard to get to at the back. Um, mostly it's down to a space versus size of teeth issue. Um, with evolution, we're actually starting to have less and less wisdom teeth um, in the last 10,000 years, we've been cooking food. So food is now much softer. So therefore the muscle structure required to chew food has diminished and the pull of the muscles on the bone, which helps to promote bone growth has then reduced. So our faces are getting smaller because the bone is not as big because of the muscle lack of muscle pull on that muscle on that bone. And so as our faces get smaller, um, the teeth have also been getting smaller in size, but not at the same rate. And so that's why we have a lot more crowning of teeth than you might see on a skull from, you know, 10,000 years ago because, you know, they had bigger faces to accommodate their teeth. Um, so we are seeing less and less wisdom teeth. Okay. In general. Because that was the, the next one was recent studies show a large percentage of infants are being born without wisdom teeth. But I got the impression when I was having this discussion with someone who obviously wasn't a dentist, but they found out this information, said that it's because we are removing our wisdom teeth. But yours, yours sounds a little more. I just, I don't think that rem removing them, I mean, surely that's, you know, if it's been going on for 100 years at the most, you know, we weren't really taking, I don't think, regular radiographs before that. You know, evolution takes much longer than just, you know, a couple of generations. So I think it's, it's, more down to diet um, and plus I mean technically infants won't have wisdom teeth because well not radiographically they won't really show up until maybe around nine-ish on an x-ray you'll be mm -hmm. able to then see whether or not wisdom teeth are developing um, but yeah definitely they are starting to decrease which I think you know that's good less problems for the future yeah okay have you had any weird bizarre questions without dropping uh... any names probably <laughs> breaking the, the patient confidentiality uh, but um I mean I guess maybe one thing like soft drinks are really terrible for our teeth I I wouldn't recommend it for children nor do I really recommend having juice I think that we have to oh actually decay is more caused by frequency of sweets rather than quantity okay. so if you have a block of chocolate and you have one tiny piece, one one single piece per hour, is actually more detrimental to our teeth than if you sat there and ate the whole block in one sitting, because it your saliva helps to neutralize the acids that develop in our mouth when we put something sweet inside. And so, if you have a block of chocolate every hour, 
um, or a piece of chocolate every hour, your mouth is continuously acidic and you've got more chance for your teeth to become decayed. Mm. Whereas if you eat it all in one go, your mouth can then neutralize that acid once and then just continue on and you'll have less chance of getting decay. Mm -hmm. So frequency is probably the biggest thing when it comes to sweets. Um, Yeah. That sounds logical that's mm. a good explanation for that uh, thank you for that Hanya you passed the test <laughs> good <laughs> but I thought I would also tell you a little bit about my experience at the dentist and it, not recent experiences not, right not recent no, <laughs> definitely not recent and it has something to do with a, a movie that I watched when I was a little girl. It's called Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. And it's it's this 1980s film. I think it was released in 1985 or 1986. And it's this horror comedy musical. It's an off, off-Broadway adaptation. And it's ludicrous but comical yet darkly entertaining at the same time. And it's got Ellen Green in it, Rick Moranis, uh, Bill Murray and Steve Martin. Okay. So you've not seen this movie? No, I know of it, obviously, but no, I haven't seen it. Okay. So it's it's basically about this florist. He's named Seymour Mm -hmm. and he's got this struggling uh, business that's not doing very well. And he decides to go for a walk. I think it's like set in Brooklyn, downtown somewhere. And he comes across this oriental store. There's this really weird occurrence with this lunar eclipse and lightning strikes. And then there's this little fly trap plant at this store and he's completely attracted to it so it's okay. kind of come from the universe it's some sort of okay outlandish creature sure um so he ends up taking it and it becomes this good luck omen for him so he puts it in front of his store and all these customers ca- seem to come in and and his business starts to thrive mm-hmm. and while this is all happening this plant doesn't like water and it doesn't like sunlight so he has to figure out what it needs to eat and randomly he gives it a bit of blood like it's by accident he cuts himself and and he finds that the plant really likes blood okay so this plant ends up becoming this uh gargantuan gluttonous creature Mm -hmm. that can talk and is wickedly charismatic okay and Seymour is so mesmerized and 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 loves this plant so much because it's bringing him in the money he pretty much becomes this murderer okay sure. <laughs> all right i am getting to the point of the dentist yep so steve steve martin plays the dentist and he's this barbarous dentist so he actually enjoys inflicting pain on people he gets a thrill out of it the dentist is dating seymour's love interest and he's cruel which is why he gets hacked up and fed to the plant it's a great kids movie okay. and i just thought i would play the song because you've not seen the movie you don't know the song and this is this is so when you're a kid I guess everything is amplified Mm -hmm. and it's very surreal so I literally felt as if I had watched the movie and the next day I went to the dentist (sighs) so this is I'm sure you would never knock out a nurse, but... (laughs) 
Well, I don't know about this technique. <laughs> I was going to ask you about the technique too. I think I have to play that at work now. <laughs> People love it. So I, I like I said, I felt like I went to the dentist the next day. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would have been about five. I don't think I had been to the dentist before. I don't recall being yeah. at the dentist before. Mm. So I don't know why I was allowed to watch that, but I watched it. <laughs> and, and to me, that was quite scary as a kid. And mm-hmm. then I went to the, the dentist. And I just remember there being the three nurses and they had their safety glasses on. So they had clear safety glasses on and then they had their masks and Mm -hmm. then there was the male dentist. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember them being very warm and Mm. friendly. And they told me that I had to get two fillings, which I wasn't happy about. And and I just remember the drill bit. Yeah. And the lady did say to me, one of the nurses did say, "If if you start to feel pain, raise your hand. Yep. And I raised my hand. And she just didn't didn't acknowledge it. I raised my hand higher because I, I started to feel the drill. The drill felt like it was going through my tooth and yeah. I could feel it in my gum. Yeah. I don't know if that can actually happen. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and I started to cry and I remember her patting the doctor saying, I think it's hurting her. And he was like, oh, and he stopped. But it was like he was irritated that he had to stop. Yeah. And he pretty much said, what's, what's wrong? What's, what's, what are you feeling? I said, I said, it hurts. I can feel it. And he goes, and he said, this is all part of the, the drilling. So it's, it's okay. It's normal. (laughs) And I, I hated the dentist after that. It took me, I I tried everything I possibly could to get out of the dentist as, Mm. as a youngster. Yeah. And so that freaked me out completely. Mm -hmm. And then this was before I came to see you, yes. but I got I got <laughs> I got a wisdom tooth out, mm-hmm. and because it was just the one, and I did, I couldn't imagine myself going to hospital and having all four taken out. It was just not my thing. Yeah, and and so he took out the one that was irritating me, but he actually did put his knee not on my chest but on the bed yeah. next to me, and he did that whole yanking thing, similar to what yeah, right. Steve Martin does in the movie. Yeah, sure. And he snapped my tooth. Mm. It, it happens. 
not the me part necessarily <laughs> though you know patients often have that story um I have personally been told myself that I've put my knee on someone's chest which I've never done so I guess sometimes when you're feeling somewhat traumatized and a bit compromised because you're in a position where you have no power sometimes your memory of things can be a little askew Mm. of what might have actually happened um like I said it wasn't until that patient told me that I had done it to him I'm like "Mm, actually wouldn't give me any extra leverage it doesn't make sense that I would have done it but um yeah it's sometimes a very difficult to remove which you know it's not nice for the patient at all and it's not nice for us as dentists like you don't want to be causing it to be difficult to someone but you know I didn't design the tooth as well so um but I guess maybe if you think something is going to be difficult the best thing is to kind of warn a patient that this is what you might expect sometimes these things happen we might have to drill the bone to get hold of that tooth better so the more a patient is kind of warned then if things occur then they've something they were expecting rather than being surprised by which I think is a, a better thing but yeah I think children being traumatized by the dentist is definitely something we deal with now as patients are much older you know I have patient a lot of patients who are you know in their 60s and 70s who still are fearful to come because of a single experience they had as a child or or you know many people have a dentist that they nicknamed butcher because I think that they weren't terribly kind back then. I think, you know, I think we've realized the negative effects we can have on people by not being kind and thoughtful. Um, Maybe having the internet as well has helped because people now don't tend to stick with their family dentist for their life. You know, it's Mm. easier to shop around. And if you don't like someone, you can easily find another dentist. Um, Google reviews or internet reviews also don't help. You know, if if you're not going to look after someone, people will call you out on it, which, you know, sometimes can be a good thing because then at least, you know, you might hear someone else's opinion. But, um, yeah. Think it's important for people to find a dentist that they're comfortable with it's you know and I don't want patients coming to see me if they're feeling unsure about me either because you know if, if I'm not the best fit for you there will be someone who will be we just need to find them and that's I'd much rather that patients find someone that they're very comfortable with rather than both of us being a bit on edge because we know that it's not the best fit necessarily mm. what do you find do you find that people tend to trust your judgment when they come- uh generally yes I do um, I when I see you I'm like do, do oh yeah I, I know mean. but I mean we <laughs> you know me as a person so I mean you've skipped you know all that sort of building up at the end of the day dentists generally get paid commission so you know we're getting a cut of what we charge so you know if someone's telling you all of a sudden that you need a lot of expensive work done you know it's a very valid thing to go and get a second opinion because you know you want to make sure that that's actually correct and that you need it um, people have dentistry it's hard dentistry is very subjective people will have different opinions how to treat the same case um, I feel like I am quite a conservative type of dentist other people might be might think they're being more proactive about going and doing things um, I guess what I always do is weigh in my head how would I treat my own family and you know that's what I would suggest as a treatment to people but we give all the options you choose the treatment option and if I can do it, I would do it. And if not, I can always refer. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, we're doing microsurgery on someone's face. If you have microsurgery on your knee, you get knocked out, but I'm doing it on your face. Um, I'm drowning you. I'm, if you gag, 
easily. I'm making a gag. <laughs> I'm telling you off for not doing all the things properly that, you know, like flossing, you know, there are a lot of things about what we do that aren't pleasant, but by being a bit more aware, trying to let people have rest, let people have the control of, you know, putting your hand up and letting yeah. <laughs> and us stopping if there's something wrong, it gives you a bit more control and then you can feel a bit more comfortable. Okay. Like, you know, things can be a bit more within your control and it's not just what I think it, you get to be part of your treatment. I as think well. times have changed as well. So from my experience, I think dentistry has come a long way. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was the other thing in, in the movie with the gas. We have gas. Do you? Because yeah. I've never had gas before. Well, usually you never it. gassed me. Yeah, I guess you don't, you <laughs> don't really need it for what we've done. But, I mean, I probably, I pref- the gas usually works the best on children. Um, it can, it just helps to reduce anxiety. It helps in, increase pain thresholds so you don't feel things as much. For people who do gag easily, it reduces the gag reflex. Um, we, to be honest, I've only had it probably the last maybe 18 to 24 months at my clinic now um, we've only just recently had it installed it definitely still has a place but it doesn't knock you around as much as it might imply on often on tv and the great thing that I like the most about gas especially when using it on an adult is that you're able to drive afterwards because you're 100 back to normal we, we just give you a little bit of oxygen to help clear the nitrous and you're back to life it's great that's what I, that also happened to me as well. Not that I was gassed, but after that wisdom tooth was taken out, he obviously just injected the area to numb it. But I remember driving in the car and then it wasn't, it was probably like within two minutes that pain came. Oh. And I remember crying in, oh. in the car and I turned to the right and there was this guy just mortified looking at me and he actually got out of his car to because he, he genuinely genuinely was concerned for my well-being and he Aww. said are you okay to drive has something happened and I still had the gauze Aww. in my mouth <laughs> and so when I spoke to him I don't know I felt like I was this big chubby thing it feels very fat when you're numb your face does feel swollen the gauze came out and Aww. the blood <laughs> just in a very I bet he regrets asking you he was like oh geez <laughs> I actually kind of thought about that afterwards because I don't think he even asked me if I was driving home or the effects that it would have on me but the would, pain just kicked in not long after I left and that is odd because it was for a lower molar wasn't it It was yeah normally that anesthetic would last three hours so we wouldn't normally be concerned so normally oh, that okay. anesthetic works for a very long time so normally you've got plenty of time to get get yourself organized, get home and that sort of thing. If we give you, like, if you need to have any Valium um, or different medications to help you relax, like Penthrox, then we'll definitely make sure that you've got someone to drive you home. Or if you're having sedation, someone needs to drive you home. But typically we expect that you'll be fine. If a patient exhibits pain before they've left, then we can either give them some Panadol or Nurofen before they leave or give them extra anesthetic if they need it. But yeah, I guess it's not common to for the anesthetic to wear up that quickly, but I can understand it would have been distressing, would have been very unpleasant. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. atypical for sure. Because I think I've I've had now all my wisdom teeth taken out, haven't I? I've only done the top ones. I don't know about top the other two? bottom. Yeah, I did the top two, about the third, I the other molar. I didn't notice 
any sort of issue with the ones that you had taken out. Top ones are much nicer. If I have to, have to choose oh, a tooth really? out, upper wisdom teeth are definitely the much better recovery rate. And they're my favorite tooth to pull out. Oh, yeah. They come out like that. I remember it just yeah, kind of they did. They really yeah. pop out. Your ones were very easy. Thank yeah. goodness. So, no, I've definitely had a, a, a change around with... Uh... <laughs> That's good. good. (laughs) Thanks, Hanya. Now, talking about all of this pain, what was it? Well, I don't know. Obviously, you weren't back in the ancient times or you could have been and, you know, reincarnated and you don't remember it. But but, uh, what did they do in the ancient times? Did you learn anything about that? We did. I'm I'm, I'm kind of envisioning Castaway, you know, Tom Hanks when he's on an island and he's got this really bad toothache and then he he knocks it out with an ice skate maybe not an ice skate in prehistoric times but instead of an ice skate a club or the ivory tusk of a mammoth beast yes I remember recall definitely (laughs) um I'm glad he got the right did he get the right tooth the first time I think he got the right tooth yeah Yeah. see I mean that even that the the diagnosis of the right tooth can be difficult um yeah we did learn about it I mean originally there were the people who were dentists back in the day were more like it was more like a trade more like I think they were maybe even barbers were the original dentists they would also take teeth out Mm -hmm. if required um there was no anesthetic originally and then with time um we luckily came across a few things that did help cocaine was used for anesthesia at points um ether was used um nitrous has been I don't know I actually can't remember what time what era that came in um but yeah maybe cocaine has been around since ancient times well I don't know but for long enough that that they did use it for anesthetics wow yeah I mean I think it's got a bit of a topical numbing effect as well so because what about things like gum disease does would people just have to deal with that and eventually die uh, like, uh, it, it would maybe occasionally call, cause people to die, but otherwise their teeth might just start wobbling and falling out on their own um, with very severe gum disease. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, things would have progressed quite a lot. I would not have liked to have been. No, it would have been very unpleasant. <laughs> and like I said, you know, they didn't even have, they didn't have x-rays originally to, to take to see which is the tooth that's actually causing pain. Like just because this one might look like the bad one, it might be the one next to it that has a problem that you can't see. So, mm. you know, I think. Even even having to, you'd have to have people to physically hold the person down. Yeah. Definitely. I know I couldn't just, you know, allow someone to rip out a tooth but as well like you must I would assume you would have had to wait till you were in very like severe pain before having any treatment doing because you knew that there was no anesthetic so imagine you'd have to feel pretty bad to go and you know submit to that sort of treatment because it's kind of inevitable right that you'd have to get some sort of treatment done no matter how healthy you were I could be wrong maybe some people are just really lucky and they got good genetics but I would presume back in the day you would have to at some point have something done to your mouth. And and I can't imagine your diet would have been that good back in the day as well. Well, I, I so sometimes the tooth can rot and actually people have no pain. I definitely have patients coming in, their teeth have rotted down to the gum and they've not had any problems, you know, and we extract it more because there's a problem, like, you know, it's not great, but they've not um, had any symptoms from it. Um I guess as well, you know, thinking back to a few hundred years ago, 
you know, you might see a TV show or a movie where the rich people are walking around with these beautiful white straight teeth and the poor people had kind of brown rotting teeth. That's how the, you know, films portray it. But the, in reality, the poor people didn't really have sugars. It was the rich people mm. who were eating all the sugars. And because we didn't understand bacteria, sugar, the relationship between the two causing decay, the rich people were actually the ones who had rotten teeth. And so that's why women used to walk around carrying a, a fan to waft away the, oh. the stench from their mouth. They were the ones who had the rotten teeth, you know, all the rich people the because recovery. they were eating sugar. So right. it, it is definitely diet related. Um, that also explains why they never smiled. You know, you see the portraits and mm. they never smile. They just look really grim. Grim, yeah. yeah. Grim without a grin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That explains it. Yeah. So, yeah, hygiene, your age is sort of what my concern would be as well because what happens to our teeth when we age? Do they? Um, I guess probably the, well, one main thing is the more work you've had done when you were younger, the more chance that work needs to be replaced. Nothing that we do in the mouth is permanent, you know, I might place the best filling, but if it lasts 10 to 15 years, you know, that's quite good. Every time you replace that filling, it gets a little bit bigger. We end up taking a tiny bit more tooth away. So fillings slowly get bigger and bigger over time, potentially then needing crowns or root canals, that sort of thing to help hold that tooth structure that remains together to hold it tight so that we don't lose the tooth. Um, so really with time, you would expect teeth, to worsen in a way because every filling you had done from a, a younger age has been replaced at least once or twice. Um, you've chewed more chews, the, you know, you've had more sugar, you've had more acid, you've had more chance for bruxism, which is wear of your teeth. You've had more chance for time to cause gum disease. There's been time for some neglectful times and you may not have taken your care of your teeth you know, perfectly. Um, so just, you know, the longer you've had teeth, the longer you've had time to use them so they can deteriorate from that perspective. And as the world is evolving, how has dentistry advanced or can you see any sort of technology coming in? Uh, definitely. Like things are always changing. I think sometimes it might just be our attitudes to patients and to um but there are definitely newer and different ways to kind of fix things. Um, I mean, extractions are still a way to fix certain problems, which has been a way to fix problems for a long time. But, um, you know, even the tooth colored fillings are kind of newer. They've probably been around maybe for 40 odd years and they're getting better. The longer we have them, they're pieces of plastic that are uh, um, bonded to the tooth structure. So we're getting better at doing that more reliably. Um, we've got scanners now. So instead of taking impressions, we can take scans of teeth, which can make things more easy for patients and um, sometimes reduce some amount of waste because instead of having to make models of everything, which then are eventually thrown away and add, you know, go to the tip, you know, we can avoid doing that sometimes, which I think is good to reduce waste. I mean, implants are something that's been around for, you know, 40 odd years, but they're getting better and more reliable and more a bit better priced as well. So the more people can have them done. And I guess maybe 
with technology, we're able to do more minimal dentistry from an early age. So the less we have to drill into a tooth when it's young, the more chance that tooth structure can remain in someone's head. The less you work on a tooth, the longer it has a chance of it being in someone's head for. So instead of having to drill a tooth to put a filling in, which we may be used to, I can maybe use a special abrasive unit that we've got to help kind of just polish out the affected tooth structure and um, place a fine fissure seal instead. So instead of having to drill a tooth at all, I've just placed a, a fine kind of seal within the tooth and hopefully that can last for a very long time and prevent even needing to be filled. So I guess we're understanding that the less we can do from an earlier age, the more we're going to be able to preserve for longer because the less tooth structure is removed. What are your thoughts on gold teeth? Well, I love them. I'm just finding that there's there seems to be sort of an, a, a new crowd, a new uh, style coming in where people are getting these gold teeth. They kind of look like caps, so they put it on. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how how good they would be. For, I imagine a lot of bacteria would. I'm not quite sure the technique that they use to stick those onto people's teeth. I like a gold crown. Um, gold is a really long-lasting material. Um, it has a similar wear rate to natural tooth structure. So it doesn't wear away the opposing tooth, which is a good thing. Um, it doesn't, it's not as hard, you know, if you have to have a crown, porcelain is very hard, a very hard material. So there is some risk that that material can chip or crack over time. Gold obviously can't do that because it's got slight softness to it. Um, so it can last a very, very long time. Um, when it comes to aesthetics with gold, you know, obviously that can be a bit of a fad. Um, you know, we can put gold crowns on teeth and stick them on. I'm not sure about the ones that are removable and how good that they are for teeth, but, you know, as a crown or onlay material, it's very good. It's very nice. It lasts okay. for a long time. Yeah. The only thing is price of gold has obviously Increased. gone up a lot, which makes it difficult to offer it to patients. Yeah. Okay. For people to get your expertise, I'd love always having new patients and meeting new people. Um, I work in Midland at the Crescent Village Dental Centre. Um, yeah, so people are welcome to come and visit me if they like. Yeah, it's a nice clinic. Um, I've been there for, I think, at least 11, maybe 12 years now. So oh, that's a long a, time. Yeah, it's a very nice clinic to work at. Um, we've got some really nice people there. Very, uh, yeah, all our staff are lovely. So, yeah, but um, there are, are lots of good dentists around and, it's good to have your teeth checked. Ideally, you know, minimally at least once a year. A lot of people do need to go twice a year, depending on their level of hygiene or their level of how much they build up of calculus. But at least once a year, I would say, you know, getting them checked and making sure that their their teeth are okay. X-rays every couple of years, depending on on the need, just to kind of see. Even I have X-rays taken of my teeth every two years, just to make sure nothing's forming in between the back ones. Even though I'm flossing pretty regularly. I would hate to find out something is going on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, prevention is key, really. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Hanya. And I can vouch for you that you are a brilliant dentist. <laughs> and, oh, that was the other thing I was going to ask. Mm -hmm. I think I have asked this before, but red wine. Red wine, black coffee, mm -hmm. and licorice. I don't know about licorice. Interesting. Turmeric, definitely. Turmeric, really? Yeah. I've been eating a lot of turmeric lately. Yeah, they, they do stain teeth um, and kind of I would say they absorb more into the tooth structure. 
Uh, whereas things like tea, which does stain, is a more superficial stain, so that's easily polished off. Um, tannins are easily polished off. But whereas red wine, coffee, turmeric, they do get absorbed more into the tooth structure. Um, so if you do want to remove that stain, it do require, like that requires whitening. You can't really remove it any other way. So whitening is usually with a type of hydrogen peroxide um, there's differing levels, different ways to do it, but that helps to absorb that stain out of the tooth and give your teeth that whiter look that we probably once had when they first grew into our mouths. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Hanya, for being on the show, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your life now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Now let's Esther. finish our bottle of red wine. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode on Tooth Truths and that you learned something about the health of your teeth. Our teeth play a vital role in the embodiment of our happiness. Strong, healthy teeth give us the ability to eat a variety of foods. So make the right choices, pick healthy foods and think of foods as medicine, not fuel. Smiling is essential to our happiness. So ensure you maintain healthy hygiene and unless you want arse breath, don't forget to floss. This is Esther Clare signing out with an open heart, an open mind, living life and being free. Well, as free as I can be in the totalitarian world of Australia. Peace.